If you go north along Highway 51 out of Memphis, Tennessee, for about an hour and a half, you're going to find the town of Dyersburg. It's the seat in Dyer County, sits along the Forked Deer River. It's small town USA, what many call either proudly or sarcastically flyover country. Only about 17,000 people. Its nickname is the gateway to everywhere. Where I was born, raised, grew up, um, went through school, found out there's really not much jobs at that time. When Jared Enix graduated high school in 2007, the Great Recession was still about six months away. But he says the economy still wasn't great in Dyersburg. I mean, there was not much out there. It was all farmlands. I went through lawn care. I went through a mining company. I went through fast food. I went through it. I was stubborn. I was like, I have to make sure I've tried everything and make sure that these careers are not something I want to do before I opted in for the Army. Eventually, Jared joined the Army Reserves. He wanted to do something in mechanics or electronics. Like a lot of plans people make, they didn't work out like Jared planned them. But he served his four years. He was deployed to Iraq. He did his service. When he came home from overseas, he weighed 185 pounds. At the time of this interview, he was down to 113. The chronic pain issue, the chronic fatigue. I have been pretty much prisoned in my house. Jared says he's suffering from an array of medical issues, most all of which he says were caused during his deployment by a very specific thing. But like countless others, he can't get the United States government to acknowledge it. And it's hard to prove with all the chemical exposure because, like I said, no doctor wants to diagnose it. They'll diagnose the issues, but they won't connect the issue to that. Millions of United States service members were exposed to burn pits in the late 2000s and early 2010s. The problems they've caused are varied, debilitating, and in many cases, deadly. President Joe Biden blames burn pit exposure for the cancer that killed his son, Beau. Because of the way the current system is set up, veterans have a hard time getting treatment and an even harder time getting that treatment covered. Many, like Jared, are left fighting the VA, fighting private doctors, and suffering without clear diagnoses. In today's episode, Jared shares his experiences working and living around burnt pits. He details how his life has changed and the struggles he's now facing. We'll also speak with the United States Congressman about the effort in Washington to help these service members. I'm Nick LaFave. This is Alone at the Desk. Alone at the Desk, a podcast by an average middle-aged guy who just happens to be a TV news anchor. We talk about the exciting and boring parts of life, the industry, and life in the industry. And we cover some important stories along the way. Brought to you by 13 On Your Side News in Grand Rapids, Michigan. A little more than two years after Jared signed up, he got his deployment letter on December 2nd, 2009. A few months later, he was at Joint Base Balad in Iraq. It was 298 Support Maintenance Company was the company I got attached to. And then we were there originally under the 69th uh, Regiment. Jared says he was part of a maintenance slash repair company, but they were getting tasked out on all sorts of other things too, like KP and maintaining burn pits large fires of varying size, oftentimes huge, to dispose of all kinds of garbage and waste. 
describe a typical burn pit. What goes in it? How big are they? The smell? For ours, it was kind of more unique because of the fact that where we were doing at that main base, we were doing the drawback. So the scale of ours was a little bit more than some of the other smaller bases. But like I said, we had everything from plastics, metals, vehicle um, matter. Like they said, they took all the portagons, all of that got drained out, and that got dumped into the fires for burning. There was exotic metals from from cadmium, I think, woods, uh, tires, everything. Uh, you could smell everything from burnt plastic to almost chemical smells. Andy says there wasn't a single day he was there when there wasn't a cloud a mile high over the base. See the trail would go a couple of miles across. I mean, it was going all over the, the populace outside the bases as well. Were you ever dispatched to work on the burn pit directly? Yeah, I did uh, Did a good one, two, week, two weeks out there. That we all had small rotations um, and more or less was going by platoon. According to Jared, there also wasn't much in the way of protection. A few people were given N95 masks, but that's it. And then you only got it if you were the one driving into the pit with the truck. And if you were standing next to it, because they had areas where you could just throw stuff off the side into the, the larger stuff without having to get in the vehicles for the heavy dumps. Mm-hmm. So those, you just pretty much didn't get anything. It was like, yeah, just go throw it over the edge. This went on, Jared says, for the better part of his 15-month deployment. But at the time, he thought no big deal. I was in Tennessee. My grandpa had a, a burn pit in his backyard where he burned his small trash. So I never thought more than that. It wasn't until Jared's very last day in country that he started to realize something may have been amiss. They gave him a letter describing the pits and what was being burned in them. He read part of the letter to me along with his wife, Jennifer. The smoke hazards are associated with burning plastics, styrofoam, paper, wood, rubber, uh, POL products, which I'm not sure what that is, uh, non-medical waste, um, some metals, some chemicals, paint, solvents, etc., uh, Here's the list. Incomplete combustion byproduct. A list possibly contaminates, uh, includes hydrogen uh, cyanide, acetyl. Let me see it. Acetylthalidide. Acetylthalidide. Um, let me see. There's an arsenic in here. Benzene, carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, formaldehyde, mm-hmm. hydrogen cyanide. Despite everything Jared was learning about the contents of those pits, the part that possibly shocked him the most was the date on the letter, December 20th, 2006. It was now 2011, and he was being handed a five-year-old letter warning him about what he'd just been breathing in for his entire stay at Joint Base Balad. We were sitting in the airport. I remember I had all my gear on. I had my rucksack. I had my, my other rucksack. And I had, like, everything. And I was just sitting there reading it, like, It's pretty much stating he's been poisoned. Jared came home. He and Jennifer settled in Michigan. But more and more health issues started cropping up. It first started, I was having weird, dull, sharp pains on the upper GI area and the left side of of my abdomen. I spent three years fighting with the VA and Arbor trying to figure out what's going on before the GI specialist just told me it's all in my head. And it turned out I had some H. pylori, which is a, yeah. a, a, bar- a parasitic bacteria, and, and, and it sits in your gut bacteria. That's not from the burn pit, but you that got that overseas. The things you're describing to me now, do you associate them with the burn pits? 
Yeah. Because yeah. okay. I, I thought they were from the parasite, but everything's come back. And so after the parasites was gone, I started noticing my right leg started getting weaker. Been having to force to walk with a cane because of that and the back injury. It's all on the right side. So that whole leg is just painful to stand on. I have a burning sensation that goes from the neck down to the elbows. Uh, it's like burning needles, stabbing almost. The rheumatologist diagnosed me with fibromyalgia. I have POTS. It, it's a condition where mm-hmm. you stand up too quick and your heart's like, no. And like you want to. The heart doesn't react yeah. fast enough. to if you're, So I have to take everything slow. Uh, I've got cachexia. So it's a wasting uh, syndrome. About the only thing Jared has going for him health-wise is that he hasn't developed any respiratory issues like so many other vets have. He says his problems are all neurological, but his bigger problem is getting a doctor to conclusively say the burn pits caused the symptoms he's now experiencing. A lot of doctors say it's linked, but they don't want to go through the paperwork and the hassle of mm-hmm. saying it's linked because then they're going to have to fight with the VA. We, we had a doctor flat out tell us that yeah. the other day on Zoom. He's like, no, this, this is what it is, but I'm not going to diagnose you. I'm like, why? And when he goes to the VA, he says they ask for evidence that is basically impossible for him to provide. They're like, well, prove that you were exposed to it. I'm like, well, here's my letter. I'm like, well, then That's prove that your conditions are connected to that. I'm not a VA basher. There's a lot of good people who work at the VA, um, but it's, it's a bureaucracy like anything else. This is United States Congressman Peter Meyer from Michigan, who also served in Iraq. Um, and my belief is you have to make it harder for a bureaucracy to deny you what you want than to, you know, permit. Meyer, a Republican, is co-sponsor of a bipartisan bill with fellow Michigan congressperson Democrat Alyssa Slotkin. The goal is to get to the point where there is the presumption that one of those respiratory ailments, if you are at a location with a burn pit, that presumption of service connection. Currently, there is a registry where veterans who believe they have symptoms related to burn pits can go and sign up. An estimated 3.5 million service members were exposed. But to actually get the government to certify their claim is complicated at best. First, they have to register. Then the veteran has to know what was in the burn pit. Then they have to establish those toxins are causing their current health problems. And that's before you get to the point of being able to confirm and validate that that ailment is a service-connected injury. That's one of the reasons why the rejection rates, you know, have been, have been, you know, 75, 80% on a lot of these claims. It's not because they don't have merit. It's because the threshold the VA is applying is so high that it, that unless you have all your paperwork perfect, unless you're able to document to a degree that is frankly impossible in the majority of situations, that claim is going to get rejected. What we're really trying to address um, is right now we know where the burn pits were. You know, we largely know who was at those locations. What we want to do is change that presumption, uh, that burden from being on the veteran to say, oh yeah, that burn pit, let me go back and like take a sample and say what was burned there and what toxins I may have been exposed to. Let's say, listen, all of these ailments that we know are connected to you know, inhalation of X, Y, and Z toxin that's generally understood to have been in those burn pits, remove that hurdle from that veteran. Meyer, Slotkin, and dozens of other lawmakers are not alone in the fight. Comedian John Stewart, who once crusaded for better benefits for 9-11 responders, is now advocating for veterans with burn pit exposure. They don't need another study to determine whether or not it might not be that healthy to burn everything in sight 24 hours a day, seven days a week, next to where you're sleeping. We know it because you're not allowed to do it in the United States of America. 
But like many things, it comes down to money. And Meyer knows that. Do you know what the cost will be and how are you going to reconcile it to try and get, you know, hardline uh, deficit hawks on board? My hope is that this gets put into a broader effort, right? Because the goal is that ultimately, while this may cost more to the VA, the, the quicker we are able to, to identify, to diagnose, and to start folks on treatment, um, frankly, the more lives will be saved, the more quality years of life will be retained for the men and women who served our country. And thinking about it in purely financial terms, that is, that is a, a lower investment to get that early identification. Meyer is optimistic that his bill and or several other similar ones will get passed in a matter of weeks instead of months, which will streamline the process for veterans who need that help. Help that is desperately needed for veterans like Jared, who's now filed for disability, doesn't know when he'll get back to work, and still does not have any acknowledged causes of his problems. Now it's like maybe one day a week I actually have uh, the energy to be able to do something like in the house. Like I've I've even had limited ability to like help around the house, which I feel bad. What is the VA saying at this point? Uh, We'll see you in six to eight months. Mm -hmm. This has been Alone at the Desk with Nick LaFave. My thanks to Jared and Jennifer Enix for sharing their story and to Representative Peter Meyer. If you'd like to hear more of our podcasts, just go to 13onyourside.com slash podcasts. You can also find us at iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And you can find me at twitter.com slash nicklafave or facebook.com slash nicknews. And you can email me directly at nicklafave at 13onyourside.com. Thanks for listening.